This is the Business Storytelling Podcast with Christoph Trapp, available on Google, Spotify, Apple, Pandora, and other podcast channels. Want to play it on your iPhone? Just ask Siri to play the Christoph Trapp Business Storytelling Podcast, also available on Alexa. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Hey, business storytellers, it's Christoph Trapp, your host and author of Content Performance Culture. How is everyone doing today? We want to talk about the latest research from the Content Marketing Institute. You've probably seen articles on authenticstorytelling.net before. When this research comes out, it's the 11th annual B2B Content Marketing Benchmarks, Budgets, and Trends uh, Insights for 2021. And it's for 2021 because it is time to kick 2020 to the curb, quite frankly. Um, every time I turn around, there's something else happening. So we'll make it. We were almost there. Uh, today's guest, guest is uh, Kathy McPhillips. She's the vice president of marketing at the Content Marketing Institute. I've known Kathy for, I don't know, a number of years. Um, Kathy, thanks for joining us. Thank you. I, I love talking about the research, and I'm so excited that it's that time of the year already which means, like you said, 2020 is slowly exiting. <laughs> slowly. And just just to show you how much I really don't like 2020, I actually created a one-star review T-shirt that everybody can order ctrap.online forward slash shirt. And I think it says something like a terrible service all around, try 2021. But anyway, let's get into the, the research here. Tell us about the research. What I mean, it's the 11th year. I've seen it before. Uh, what's what's the purpose of it? Why does it exist, and and how do we how do we use it? Well, it, like you said, it's the eleventh year. It started in twenty ten, um, and it's really grown over the years along with content marketing itself. And really, it's the biggest piece of content marketing that the Content Marketing Institute does. That's pretty meta. But what we do, we ask about a range of content marketing topics: strategy, team organization, content creation, distribution, metrics, goals, budget, spending. We go through the whole gamut. We want content marketers to use the findings to see where they stack up against their peers, to learn what kind of things are most, the most successful things that content marketers are doing, and to give them ideas for their own content marketing moving forward. People can use it for their own content marketing. They can use it for justification for their managers. They can use it for ideas like, we're heading down this path. Is this the path our industry is going? And it's just really good to have. And um, we get you know 500 plus mentions and at, um, you know, back to our research every single year, which is pretty amazing. So when we went with the research this year, went to the drawing board for the questions, we were all kind of like, okay, this is a little different this year. Things look different. So like many content marketers, we had to pivot what we were doing. So there are some totally new questions that we asked regarding the pandemic, which hopefully it'll be that we'll be one and done with those questions. We don't need to ask them next year. But, you know, Lisa Merton Beats heads up our research uh, Stephanie Stahl, Robert Rose, Jody Harris, Lisa Doherty, me, Mo Wagner, we all had input on the questions this year saying, you know, we have the basics we want to benchmark against last year's questions and the past 10 years questions, but we just need to know some new information. So that's kind of where this year was headed with the research as far as that's concerned. Do you need help with digital marketing for your small to medium sized business? Reach out now and drop us a message at ctrap at gmail.com. And certainly a lot of things did change this year. I mean, for example, you know, I, I published my third book. I was going to go on a book tour and I didn't go anywhere. 
right? No travel, everything uh, was off the table. I mean, projects were just dropping right and left. Uh, but, but what did the marketing community as a whole, what did they report? How did COVID uh, impact them? What did they do? How did they move forward? And, and yeah, what was the biggest impact, I guess? Well, I think the biggest impact the survey confirmed that was that marketers, content marketers pivoted very quickly. 50% said their organization made quick changes. Um, 80% thought, thought they were effective and 86% expected some changes to stay in effect for the foreseeable future. I mean, I don't know about you, but some of the things were changes we've made, we made quickly because we had to, but I'm taking a look back and saying, maybe we're actually making some good changes that actually are actually sustainable. Um, and it's, you know, the immediate fire is changing um, their targeting or messaging strategy, address, adjusting editorial calendars, revisiting content distribution strategy. Some of those things, like I said, just may just be the next the way things are going to go for the, for the foreseeable future. But there are things like we were starting, Kim Mutsos and I were starting to work on our personas and we were planning our interviews and writing our questions and doing all of that. And then in March, we're like, well, one, people aren't going to be able to answer these right now because they're going to be looking at this, you know, COVID and how things are being impacted right now. And two, I don't want to bug people. So that project's been put on hold now for seven months. Right. So there definitely people are pausing and things. What's interesting too about the pivoting and you, you kind of mentioned it with the editorial calendar. I used to tell people and I still I actually did this myself, too, in, in my own content. It's nice to have like a three month cushion. Right. Be be done with content for three months. And what, what I found is when COVID hit, that literally meant there was a lot of content that either had to be redone or just killed. Right. Like, right. I mean, I could, we couldn't use it because it was totally um, off base. I mean, did you see that as well uh, out in, out there? A little bit. I mean, some of the things we were writing about, you know, it's just kind of like, who cares right now? You know, that's we have bigger fish to fry right now and we really need to focus on some things. So we started resurfacing some old content, updating some old content that was just, you know, useful, but relevant and timely because we just there were some things that were just so far reaching and so forward thinking and people, which is great, great most of the time. But right now people were like, okay, I can't think about 2021. I really need to think about what I'm doing next week because my world just blew up. So, you know, things like metrics and KPIs that, you know, if people were trying to adjust those, maybe March wasn't the best time to be doing that. So let's focus more on our editorial calendar and content reuse and things like that. Yeah, and I, I so one one I noticed as well that um, that was really killed by everybody is I always like to look at is there an April Fool's uh, story we should do and I think this year April Fool's Day was just canceled. I, I think that's something that should stay. I think we should just can't cancel any April Fool's marketing. That should be one that sticks. And anymore, we did <laughs> we did have to this year. Um, so one discussion, obviously, you know, we're doing a podcast uh, in, in years prior. Uh, I've done articles. You guys do articles, uh, VR video, um, media, uh, infographics, interactive infographics, et cetera, et cetera, all these different things. Um, people always want to know what's the latest content asset um, that they should be using. And again, I'm, of course, I'm, I'm a big fan of the create once published everywhere model you know, live stream to podcast, to article, to social, to email. Um, but, but what are the things that people are currently using when it comes to content types? What are you seeing out there? 
Uh, not surprisingly, blog posts and short articles came in at t- on top, which it usually does, just because, as you said, you can take chunks out of there and turn it into social media. You can turn it into part, you know, email newsletters and direct- redirecting traffic back to your website. So blog posts and articles were top. Email newsletters were, were number two. And then case studies, videos are super hot right now. Infographics are up there. Um, no surprise, uh, in-person events dropped significantly from 73% to 42%. Um, and virtual events, webinars, online courses jumped up 10% from last year. So it's been a tough year for content marketers you know, to be not be able to be in front of customers. So it'll be interesting to look to see how that really affects us when we do the survey next summer. I'm, I'm guessing uh, in-person events will go back up, but, but, you know, now I'm seeing events already being postponed into December. Um, I don't know if, if I've seen anything for January yet. So uh, who knows how much longer that's going to be pushed out. I, I would have thought we, we'd be done by now, honestly. Well, um, you know, but... just working for an events company, you know, informer that owns, that owns CMI, you know, we, we need to be conservative because we don't, we don't want to have to go through what we did last April for content tech Right. Again, you know, we don't want to book all this stuff and then have our customers have to change their plans again. So I think we'll see on our end, at least a little being a little conservative into the first quarter of the year and really making sure that we're making, even if they're late decisions, that they're the smart decisions and the right ones at that time. Yeah, def- definitely agree with that. Uh, it's nice to see infographics on there uh, relatively high up in the list. Uh, one thing when it comes to infographics, I just saw one again the other day. Make sure, guys, that it's usable and viewable on mobile devices. Three-column infographics, two-column infographics, you, they have to stop. If it's not readable on mobile, you're missing out. That's just my opinion. What, what, what are your thoughts on that, Kathy? I agree on that. I mean, we do see, though, that B2B marketers are on their computers more than your average consumer, but everything should be mobile-friendly at this point of our lives. It's kind of funny, actually, because, you know, I'm sitting here and I got three monitors in front of me, actually four, I guess. Um, So one of them certainly would work, (laughs) you would think. When you said, uh, so my uh, my blog posts have gotten longer and longer. And of course, it was kind of interesting when uh, I I did an article on my content marketing world uh, session on voice search uh, for for your blog uh, over on the Content Marketing Institute website. And the guidelines that we don't have a limit or we don't have a word count or whatever, write, write whatever it needs, whatever it needs. Uh, but mine have gotten longer and I kind of set a goal to hit a certain number. When you said short articles, like what do we know? What is that definition of when people say blog posts and short articles? What's a short article nowadays? Do you, do you know or what do you think it is? I, I mean, I hate to say it depends, but I really think it depends on the industry and the audience and what needs to be said. I mean... Our blog posts on the CMI blog are longer than, than average, I would say, but we want to make sure they're prescriptive and that it's you know fully thought through and that our readers can take away something tangible, actionable, and it's kind of like you know just a how-to, which I think those really by nature just can't be short. Um, so, I mean, you know, I mean, those blog posts, you can leave there with examples and a step-by-step on how to do something. So, I mean, I think they need to be as long as they need to be to get your point across. And our point on our blog is to have <clears throat> someone leave with something they can actually do right then. 
Yeah, and I so not to spill all the beats here, but I I try to shoot for at least twelve hundred on all my articles. Um, a, a lot of times longer, but I find that too. If I'm writing two hundred words, two hundred fifty words, I mean you can't cover anything in that topic, honestly. For uh, at least in my opinion. Well, so we have two blogs on for at CMI. We have the CMI blog, which we're talking about, and then we also have the Content Marketing World blog, which talks about our event. And on our event mm-hmm. blog, twelve hundred just that's not what they're going there for. They're going there to get information on the event, to learn about a speaker, to learn about a track, to learn about something. I want to learn about the event and I want to get off your site. We're Content Marketing Institute, it's different. So, you know, we're doing 500 words on the Content Marketing World blog, but we're doing at least 1200 on the Content Marketing Institute blog. So it's what those, the audience needs at each of those places. It always depends. I know that's not the answer people want to hear, but it is the answer that they should get. <laughs> On a lot of things. Um, the one thing I noticed in the report, there was some talk on communities. And I don't remember that from the last time. Maybe it was in there and I just kind of uh, glanced over it. Uh, but but talk about the, uh, the thinking behind asking about building a community and what does that mean? Well, you're very observant. It was a new question. Um, we wanted to know how many B2B marketers had established an online community, and we defined that as a space where your audience can engage with each other and your brand in the form of discussions, posts, surveys, et cetera. And what really, really surprised me is that 32% said they had a community and 68% said they had not. So I don't know about you, but that seemed very, very high of people that didn't hit the brands that hadn't had established communities. And when we talk about communities, uh, and I, I do have strong feelings about some of the things I think are communities, and I'll, I'll, I'm happy to share them again. Um, so like a Facebook group, right? That's a community um, a forum. I see them sometimes, especially on like sports sites still. Um, that's a community. And, you know, but but honestly, Facebook groups just give me, like just get my blood boiling for the most part. I think the content marketing world one might be the only one I'm currently still in, Kathy. But all the other ones, I mean, there was one when we had the inland hurricane come through here um, where allegedly they were starting it to, for the community, right? And it was they, they had one about uh, crime, which there was very little. And one guy was talking about how if anybody comes on his property, he will just shoot them and blah, blah, blah. And and it's just like, what does that, you know, that's, that shouldn't be in there. And there's other groups I've been in where people are just flying off the handle or they ask the same question 18,000 different ways. Uh, and, and actually, I think I asked Mark Schaefer this when he was on the show. Um, and he said, well, those are not communities. No. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I agree. But then where do I where do we find the community and how do we how do we make it better? Well, I think a, a successful community is really dependent on having someone who really owns the community and owns the moderation of the community. So I don't know if you are in our LinkedIn group, our CMI LinkedIn group, it's like 50,000 marketers and we have guidelines and the guidelines say you can't post links. You it's not self-promotion. We are here to have discussions and help each other. So if people jump in there and they don't read that and they post a link, I delete it. Um, and there have been times where if someone does it over and over again, you just kick them out of the group because that's not what it, they're there for. They're not even paying. They don't even know that what's going on in the group if they're doing that. And there have been people that I have talked to 
that they've posted something that someone that I know, I mean, like if you did that and you just didn't know that's how the group was and you posted three things and I kept deleting them, I'd send you a note and be like, hey, Christoph, just so you know, not sure if you're even going back to look to see if you had comments, but I've deleted them and here's why. Just to, so people know. Um, and I mean, and that's me, but Mo does it 99% of the time. I'm just in there every now and then, but you know, Mo's the one really managing that space. But it's an amazing place. And it's one of those places that, aside from the moderation, but if Mo didn't go in there, there's still the community happening without her. You know, and same with our, our Twitter chat community. There was one day where our guests didn't show up. This was years ago. And for the first 20 minutes, the community didn't even notice because it's self-sustaining. <laughs> so it's really cool that that happens. And, um, you know, or a day that, you know, we're not feeling well, so we're just not, you know, totally behind the scene on my Twitter handle doing, you know, sending out 120 tweets in an hour. We're only, we're only doing like 30 and some people don't even notice because Mike Myers and all these different people are jumping in there. You are jumping in and just, it just kind of takes over. It makes it it's a life of its own. So, but I also think it doesn't need to be that, um, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Like um, you don't need to have a defined space. I think there are a lot of communities on Twitter or on Facebook that people have just kind of created, you know, brands have created communities just through their tweets. They've created this following. They've created these brand advocates that all love and support a brand, but there's really no defined walls around that, around that community. So I don't, don't think it needs to be a Facebook group. You know, I'm not a big fan of Facebook groups. I, I'm in one for my town that actually I've recently left because it just got a little bit, like you said, it's just angry people <laughs> all the time. And that's not really what a community even is. I also left the Facebook group from my town because that's all it was, angry people. And then at some point the newspaper wrote about it <laughs> and the person that was running it, not moderating it, obviously, um, certainly uh, stepped down and other people took it over and everything had to be approved, but I still left it. It was just, um, uh, I just didn't need to think about it. Um, so how about, uh, so social media, uh, how, how does social media still fit into the, the plan today in 20 and 21? What, 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 uh, what have you found there? As far as the research is concerned? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, well, I don't think this is a surprise at all, but with B2B content marketers, LinkedIn still comes out on top year over year. It's the one that they use most often, both for paid and for organic, and the one that they say produces the best results. Um, regarding organic, we found 96% are using LinkedIn and Twitter and Facebook are were tied for a second. And that's no surprise. And Twitter and Facebook, it just, they seem to flip-flop every other year. Um, I think they're both doing a good job right now, right now with that. Um, and regarding paid social, uh, SEM, yeah, paid social is the top method of paid distribution and SEM and sponsorships are second. But I think, you know, you're on LinkedIn a ton. I'm on LinkedIn a ton. And it's a great way to, you know, stay relevant, stay connected. You know, there is a lot of people that are, you know, treating the, not using the tool the way it should be used. But I think that happens anywhere. But I think it's really grown um, over the past few months, especially, I think a lot of people have turned back to LinkedIn. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. Please don't send me an invite request on LinkedIn and say, um, I noticed, Christoph, that we're both humans, so <laughs> we should connect on LinkedIn. <laughs> well, my, right? my current favorite is, hey, when can I call you for 15 minutes this week? I'm like, you don't even know what I do. So <laughs> take, a, take a few minutes. I, you can't. 
<laughs> take it. Here's the fee for, I, I don't remember who said that. Ted Rubin, I think, said that before. Uh, when people want to pick your brain, um, happy to do it. And here's the cost for 15 minutes. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, so I do that. I got to, there's actually paypal.me is a very nice tool to do that. Um, so I'm looking through the report here and, you know, editorial tools used by by content marketers in B2B and um, and it's it's good to see keyword research is on the top. I, I do agree that's important. We have had shows uh, what keywords you should um, try to rank for, what volume, uh, you know, how long, et cetera, et cetera. Editorial calendar, that's good to do as well. And then this next one, Kathy, I want to ask you about. It's shared docs to collect track ideas. I guess that doesn't mean they're going to produce content in there, but let's just assume that's uh, that's what that means. And, you know, I have started, I know it's not as easy to implement as I would like it to be in my head, but I've seen it to be so much easier when content creators just produce directly in the CMS, whether it's WordPress or whether it's, you know, some are harder than others. But how do you feel about that? Is there not a problem, uh, potential problem when you're writing in Word? I know it's still very common. I do it all the time too with some clients. Um, but, but do you think there's ever, um, it's ever going to happen that we don't have to copy and paste articles and they're just created where they should go? Um, or is, am I just making something out of nothing here? Um, I think, I mean, for us, you know, there, we have multiple contributors. We have multiple people on the editorial team who touch a piece of content over the life of, of that piece. We do have places we share ideas in Google in Google Drive or in Dropbox or on SharePoint. So for us, it would you know all of us don't have access to the CMS just to protect the website and to protect you know things getting published or deleted or whatever by accident. So we are still using Word basically. You know the final the final document of a CMI blog post goes in Word to um, our WordPress editor who uploads everything. So if it's one person, like if it's you and you are doing it for yourself and you're the one that's proofing it and editing it and writing it, then I think that makes a whole lot of sense. But when there's eight people involved, then I don't think it's that it's that realistic. It's probably so that's the takeaway. That's the homework for the guys at Automatic or any other CMS. Uh, you know, we need better workflows in the CMS. Otherwise, you can't really track changes. You can't see what people did. Um, and those kind of things. I think some of that is available, but it's not not there where I would like it to be. Um, so, create brand awareness was one of the um, one of the things, one of the goals people are going after. And what I've realized recently, Kathy, is that different people have different um, definitions of what brand is. And um, so I was talking to somebody the other day. I don't remember who it was. I think it was Casey Stanton. That's on an upcoming episode. It hasn't run yet. Um, he talked about, when he talked about branding, he talked about basically the visual, right? Like the logos and how the brand looks. And that's what you do when you work on brand. Um, and I, I thought that's kind of interesting because I wonder how many people that I've talked to over in my career and, and, and I said, hey, we got to work on the brand. And I think they, what I meant is we got to make sure people know the brand, <laughs> right. you know? But I think what they may have heard is we need to create logos, and, but that's not what we're talking about, right? When we talk about creating brand awareness, we're talking about um, getting the brand in front of people. Is that, or, or what else? I mean, that's what I would think. I mean, I think JK on our, create, you know, our creative director would say, 
working on the brand would be making sure that the visuals are consistent and they're following brand guidelines and, and all that. But I would, that would not where my head would have gone first. Mine would have gone to, are you presenting your brand in the best light? Are you expanding your reach? Are you, how are people finding out about you? How are people sticking with you? That's what I think when I think of brand awareness. Yeah, so did I. But I, I, after he said that, I wonder how many people misheard me say that over the years. Um, so it just it's interesting how be depending, you know, different people. Yeah, depending on your role, maybe you might think of that. <laughs> you have you have your way of how you are helping brand awareness. Right. Yep. Exactly. Uh, so certainly we had the episode episode two hundred. Some some of the previous guests offered tips on how to move forward after this crazy twenty twenty. A lot of marketers have lost jobs. Uh, a lot of teams have changed. I mean, a lot of, you know, it's just a lot of things happening. Uh, what what does the future look like? How do we move forward from here? What what tips do you have and advice? That's a million dollar question, isn't it? <laughs> um, <laughs> it is. 65% of the people thought the pandemic would have a major or moderate effect on their content marketing success, but only in 26% thought it would have a slight impact. So it's really hard to say. Uh, much of it will depend on resources, how we're able to use what we have to the maximum effect. But we're also living in times when it's just we don't know. So, you know, we don't know what we're doing. We don't know what our audiences are going through, our customers are going through. So I feel like we just kind of have to roll with it. You know, I was talking to um, Wally Koval, who, who runs Accidentally Wes Anderson. He is a former CMIer and he now is an author, a best-selling author. And I was talking to him about how he has his company has adapted over the past six months. He's been adapting his stuff with, with his audience and asking his audience for help. And what do you want to see? And, you know, is this resonating with you? So he's been building this brand and excelling at it because he's asking them for help. So I don't think every brand can do that, but it's pretty fascinating to see that he's just basically going to people saying, I don't know, I don't know what's next, but I'm, I just want to make sure that I'm giving you what you want. So it's been pretty cool to see to see his success. And, you know, so I wrote down when you said uh, slight impact and what came to my mind is, of course, here in Iowa, we had the Iowa Derrico, Der I guess. I call it an inland hurricane. That's basically what it is. And somebody tweeted uh, all the Iowans currently. Um, I had the roof, um, the roof blown off my house. A tree came down, but it missed me. Um, so I was able to sprint into the basement and then um, the neighbor's shed ended up on my garage, um, but we're fine. Other neighbors had it much worse, <laughs> which, you know, uh, slight impact, I guess. Um, and, and I kind of think about that the same way, right? I mean, we had damage from the storm and things have changed, but at the end of the day, I'm healthy. I'm Everybody is uh, still moving forward, right? I got a job. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm working on projects. But I mean, um, that's so really like a metaphor for, you know, you're, you go to one place because you think you're safe and then something else comes and flies in, you know, it's like, I know. <laughs> how's that a right? metaphor for 2020? So I, but my, <laughs> my, right. My point kind of is too. Uh, so when some people say, well, we've had a slight impact, uh, like what's the, like the devil is in the details, right? What's a slight impact? Um, you yeah. know, everybody gets laid off for a or for a week. Uh, some people might say that's a slight impact. Other people might say that's um, holy cow. What do we do now? Um, very interesting. 
Kathy, it was great that you shared the, the highlights of the report. Of course, in the show notes, we'll have a link to the article. Um, and we barely scratched the surface. I had so much more to say, but I know that we can't be on here all day. So, uh, but so thank you for taking the time with us. You bet. Um, thanks for joining us. I really appreciate you sharing your insights. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks everyone for listening. Until next time. Move your content from happening to performing. That's what everybody wants nowadays in content and content marketing and marketing and all those related fields. Check out my new book, Content Performance Culture, the number one new release in the public relations category on Amazon.com when it came out. I hope you take a look. It's available as paperback and Kindle worldwide.